Welcome to the Startup Grind Podcast. Starting a company is not for the faint of heart. They're always questioning, 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 tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Where we talk to entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and thought leaders about how to build a great company. Like my friends, like you think you're crazy. I think you gotta be a little nuts. And change the world in the process. We optimize for impact instead of profit. It's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur. From Startup Grind chapters across the globe. The chapter director for Cape Town. Boise, Idaho. London. Mala, Palestine. Guangzhou, China. And delivered to you every Monday and Wednesday. It's a startup grind. Hey there and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Startup Grind podcast. Today we have a conversation with Jessica Heron, the co-founder of WeddingChannel.com and subsequently the Stella and Dot family of brands which does over $300 million in annual revenue and empowers over 50,000 independent business owners. Jessica has been recognized for her entrepreneurial accomplishments and her passion on Oprah and Fortune Magazine, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Glamour Magazine, and more. In May, Jessica released her first book, Find Your Extraordinary, How to Dream Bigger, Live Happier, and Achieve Success on Your Own Terms by Embracing the Entrepreneur in You. She thrives on the mission of revolutionizing flexible opportunities for women, with home parties that are hip. Jessica graduated from Stanford University. Let's listen in to Jessica Heron, interviewed by her WeddingChannel.com co-founder and freestyle capital partner, Jenny Lefcourt. Well, I am super excited to be here tonight, mostly because it's the most time I've gotten to spend with my dear friend Jessica Heron in a while, busiest woman in show business. And so we're just going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about Sel and Dot, the wisdom she brings in Find Your Extraordinary, and just kind of going back to entrepreneurship in general. Um, And then about a half an hour in, we'll open it up and you guys can ask her any question you want. All right, so Jess, okay. So first of all, you guys need to know there are very few people, maybe no people other than Jessica that I I would claim are superhuman. But I worked with this woman and I basically was with you 24 seven for about three years. And I would say, you're the only one that fits that bill for me. And as I read this book, this woman, you have to know, she doesn't just talk the talk, she walks the walk. And everything in here, you would, if I were you, I'd be reading it saying, impossible, but it's all true. So I'm going to just dig in a little deeper. Um, and I first want to start off with you slash us dropping out of business school. We were at Stanford. We had an opportunity. Kleiner Perkins had backed, uh, agreed to back our startup. And when I read about it in the media or I hear about it, it sounds like a really big deal. My memory of it is that we basically were at lunch and we said to the other, so would you drop out if if Kleiner agrees to back our startup? And the other one said, yeah, would you? Yeah, pass the rolls. (laughs) I mean, that's my memory of it. And so my question to you is, is that your memory of it? Was it a hard decision for you? We were at Max's Opera House Cafe in the the Sanford Shopping Center. That's right. And I think that it was a very easy decision at the time because there is, and it's something I do talk about in the book and I think that we've lived, we co-founded the company that became WeddingChannel.com. So full disclosure, this is my first business partner. Uh, We, you know, that was back in 1998. And uh, there was a, the first wave of a huge dot-com boom, which also makes me think about how fortunate I was to be an entrepreneur at that moment in time. It, I, especially this is Women Entrepreneurs Month, and you will be, as a female entrepreneur seeking funding, you will be inundated with all these abysmal statistics. But if you flip that on its head and say, hold on, women have been playing more than a menial role in the workforce for maybe the last 50 years, and actually... We've been around for our ancestors, two million, our modern form, 200,000. We, the last century, we've had two world wars, the Korea War, the Vietnam War. We just entered the workforce. And I get born 
in now and go to, the, to college in the heart of Silicon Valley when women are earning degrees in equal numbers. We really won the lottery of place and time. And when we had gone back to business school, I'd, we'd both worked in enterprise software before returning to business school. And I didn't go there because I wanted a pedigree. I went there because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I wanted to have the time to reflect, which business school affords you, and the connections and somewhat of the credibility. And it felt like going to the epicenter of the entrepreneurial spirit. So that's what I was doing there in the first place. And so when I saw the ability to start a company before graduation, I didn't see it as risky. I saw it as efficient. Well said. And, it, you know, I don't know if it's in your book or if it's something else I've watched you say, but you talk about not only reaching to your older self to give you wisdom, but looking back to your younger yeah. self to give you wisdom. And so do you think that's one of those things where your younger self knew, like, why the hell not? This, it's here and it's now, and maybe your 40-something-year-old self would tell you that's First risky. of all, I'm 29. I don't right. know what you're talking about. <laughs> but the, well, it's funny because I, we used to be described as young entrepreneurs, and somewhere along the line, it just that modifier got dropped, <laughs> um, which actually is great because you get so much wisdom. And, and I think that's, as an entrepreneur, Jenny was just asking me, could you go back in time and actually have read that wisdom and applied it as a first-time entrepreneur, or even in the early days of being a second-time entrepreneur? And I do think that the answer to that is yes, because time and wisdom, you, when you're an entrepreneur, you just keep climbing over walls. You, you know, wall after wall over wall, but ultimately wisdom allows you, you still have to brute force, you still have to have a tremendous amount of effort, but with wisdom you step back and say, wait a minute, should I look for a window and door before I just, you know, hurl myself over yet another obstacle in this business path, or should I look for a, somebody to give me a boost, you know, or is, so I think you just become wiser about how you approach your problems, um, but I think for, uh, now I'm remembering what your original question was, when I became... Do you think that is wisdom that your younger self oh, has well, when you talk about... Because I, I think that's really wise when you, you talk about not just yeah. looking to your future self for wisdom, but your younger self for wisdom. Well, let's give it a try, because I think it's so critical. Everybody asks, well, what would you tell yourself at 20? And I think it's far more relevant to ask yourself, what would your the four-year-old version of you tell you now? And because I just... Do you have a picture of yourself at four that's permanently placed in your parents' home? And, it, and for me, again, it was like there's a fake pasture and fence in the background... Olin Mills photography, like just what is that picture of you when you were four or five? And if you were to look at that person and describe the look on their face, what words come up for you? Tell me, what would you say? How would you describe that person? Happy, stoked, careless, free, imaginative, what else? Full of wonder. Curiosity, right, is a huge hallmark of who we are as individuals, animals. And what else? Like relatively fearless, right? Do you think that person went through the day thinking about what and what would you tell them was possible? Anything. And I think that is what your younger self wants you to know today. You're still that person. Anything is still possible if you believe it is. And so I think that you have to make sure that your experience doesn't rob you of your optimism and your undying belief that anything is possible. Because being a entrepreneur, you it takes a lot of resilience, a lot of persistence. And you will give up if you ever believe that it, it's something, things are too daunted or you're too tired to try or you rule that out. If you eliminate the option to quit because you believe success is inevitable, then you just, you got to go get back to it and start figuring out the solution. Well, that's a perfect segue into what I want to talk to you about because one of the things that I knew, even back then before I read the book, that you had more than any other person I'd ever had the honor of working with or known 
are two great traits, I think, to be a fantastic entrepreneur. So one is that struggle's part of the process, and so I want to talk about that one. And then the other one is that is faith, right? You, ha you have to have it in whatever you're working on. So let's talk a little bit about struggle's part of the process. You never expected it to be easy. And I'll just sort of juxtaposition that to my attitude, which is I did expect everything to be easy. We were having a drink beforehand, and I reminded Jessica of a story. We had bought our refurbished computers at <laughs> Dell, and they came in the box and we took them out of the box and I plugged mine in. I was like, mine doesn't work. Mine doesn't work. And Jessica's like, have you read the manual? Have you read the manual? Like, have you tinkered with it for hours? Because that's like, you can't expect it to like plug in and work. And that was her attitude. And now it's my attitude. But at the time it was not. I did expect to plug it in and have it work. And so that idea that struggle is a part of the process, is that something you feel like you were born with? You learned? Is that a trait that everyone needs to learn? Well, I think, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I can assure you struggle will be part of your process. <laughs> and and I, so I think the people in this room, you know, inherently know that if you're in the midst of the struggle. And, and it never really ends, right? I used to joke that if I would write a book about entrepreneurship, it would be in the Dr. Seuss style and it would just be problems here, problems there, problems everywhere. Because no matter how, you know, today my problems are different. Our business is is uh, over 300 million in revenue, it's in six countries, there's over 60,000 independent business owners, and I have problems every single day, just like I had problems every single day when we were a startup, but that's how you're creating value. That's how you're, you're solving the problems. I mean, you have to find the fun in it and the adventure and see the struggle as a puzzle and learn to see, you know, and really train your mind to see the opportunity instead of the obstacle. But I, the process of writing a book was very interesting. I mean, the process of starting a company is very interesting, but I found that in writing Find Your Extraordinary, where it re really was a guide to help people do more than start a business, but to actually start a life, because that was what I did not realize when we started our first business, is that you don't, you don't start a business, you start a life. And then you can create commercial success and look at it and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not soulfully connected to what I do. Is this true success? Or do I need to say, what's my calling? How do I define happiness to success? And then build a business that's integrated with, with the life that you want to live. Um, but when I looked at that, it, it, you know, describing that process and going through that and really thinking about the struggle, it, you, you soul search and you think about, can these traits be developed? Well, I, I firmly, I wouldn't have written the book if I didn't believe that each of us do contain the core traits of an entrepreneur and that you can actually hone them. And it starts with a sense of self-confidence, the belief that success is for you, not just for somebody else and that you are the one, uh, that the, uh, then it goes through the, the six P's of the entrepreneurial spirit, which is passion, right? Otherwise, what's the point? You've got it. It's too hard not to love what, you, what you're doing it for. Um, it's path, so that's the plan that makes passion real. People who are, make it all worthwhile and help make it real. The perseverance, because it's a lot harder. We all want to believe it's upward to the right, but it's not. It looks like an Etch-a-Sketch, you know, was in a four-year-old went to work. It's not this straight and easy path. And then uh, positive mind, so you see the opportunity. And then uh, productivity, so that you can do it without, with loving your life. Uh, but when I think about, so I ask myself, like, can, is this just innate? Are you born with this? Or can you develop it? I think that there's a lot that... Um, of perspective that I've gotten along the way from growing up in and reaching this point of where we met at Stanford Business School in a very unconventional way. You know, I grew up with a mother who suffers from mental illness, so that made for a very interesting childhood. I was raised mostly by a single dad, and when I went to school, when I went to go to college, I was, I did not, I was probably would have been voted least likely to succeed um, because I was too busy being a moody teen and reacting to my mother's bad choices than I was focusing on studying. So I ended up going to community college, which is sort of what we could afford 
board at the time and what made the most sense. And I remember being in that place thinking, you know what, I, I, I'm going to have to come from behind, but I, boy, am I going to bring it and come from behind. And I remember getting, I turned it around, I cracked it down, I was working, you know, multiple jobs and I w w was getting straight A's and I was so proud and so excited and I went to the guidance counselor's office and said, okay, I'm ready to apply to Stanford. I want that they have the best economic school. That's what I want to do. That's where I'm going. And she just laughed in my face and said, people like you don't go there. No one from here goes there. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have straight A's. Like, do you know how many people with straight A's don't get in? Like, you're not getting in. Like, I'm not getting the application because, by the way, they never didn't have an, a website. <laughs> that was so long ago. It wasn't like you just applied. So I needed her to, like, give me the address to mail away from <laughs> and get in. And she's like, just laughed in my face. And I remember that moment recognizing that I had to be my own greatest source of strength, that I wasn't going to doubt her, I wasn't going to doubt myself. I was going to doubt her. And that when she said, no way, I'm like, listen, lady, if you have such disdain for the students here, you should get a different job because I don't want my tax dollars going to your salary, which I loved because I was a waitress and I think I paid $3 in tax. <laughs> but I didn't want my one one thousandth of a penny going her way. And I'm, I'm not funding your bad attitude. And I, I did apply. And, and I did get in. And uh, and so I just think of all the times in which every odds and every obstacle was against me. I've learned to see that my own will and my own belief beyond reason in myself has been more relevant than the probability. And, and so that has been what has been my undying compass. And I actually just in the, because self-confidence is so critical. As an entrepreneur, there are so many times you think, should I give up? Am I crazy? Should I give up? Am I crazy? Is this ever going to work? And you just have to eliminate the option to quit, to completely believe that, that success is inevitable. And you have to know you're the one. Right. And that is one of the things I talked about. And I got to see it early on, and I've seen it throughout Stella and Dodd, is that you always had faith. And I think that's part of the reason why you could keep on with all, like you just saw all the bumps in the road were just bumps in the road for you. You knew exactly where you were headed and that you were gonna get there. It was just a matter of, is it gonna happen the easy way or the hard way? And I think that's not something every entrepreneur has, is born with. And so that's another thing that I'm not sure if you can instill into yourself or not, but if you can, I take a hearty dose, dose of Jessica Heron because if you don't have the faith, the bumps in the road make you think that maybe you should abort. If you have faith, the bumps in the road are bumps in the road. Yeah. A quick break from the Startup Grind podcast for some recent startup headlines. Uber has expanded its destinations feature, which allows drivers to pick up passengers headed in the same direction. Uber has also allowed drivers to pause their availability between fares, along with providing them additional options for accessing earnings and more. Messaging platform Line is expected to IPO at a valuation of $5 to $6 billion in mid to late July. Line is anticipated to raise between $1 to $2 billion, with half coming from a New York exchange and the other half coming from Tokyo. Previous report claims that the IPO roadshows would begin June 10th and suggestions that the offering will be one of the biggest of the year. Viasat has signed a deal with America Online to provide Wi-Fi with 100 new Boeing 737 MAX aircrafts. This feature is set to be delivered in September 2017. Viasat follows an American Airlines lawsuit against GoGo, which is claiming that the firm hasn't provided sufficient speeds. This suit was later dropped, and GoGo was invited to bid for the contract. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah. yeah, and you can make it easier on yourself. And I outline the tactical steps to do that. Yes, you need this dose of self-confidence and inspiration and being connected, but 
one of the most transformative things I've done, which I describe is meditation. And I'm so glad we're in Northern California so we can be so touchy-feely about this. And I'm so glad <laughs> that meditation and positive mindset has moved to the mainstream. Uh, but I do it with my executive team. I do, and it is, it is you know, there's so much, it can be so hard in the early stages of the business where you're working all the time. And I foolishly believed in our early days at Dell and James, which became Wedding Channel, that my way to succeed and show how my grit as an entrepreneur and my commitment to my investors and my obligation to my employees was to work my ass off all the time. And that's how I thought I was going to be successful. The reality is I was depleted and I was a terrible leader and I couldn't see the, the clear opportunities around me. So since then, I have learned to have a far more rigorous practice of self-care. And when Jenny was asking me, like, do you really think it's possible to exercise every day? I'm like, yes, I do. Because you need to clear your head. You need to see straight. You need to break away. And you are not going to have your best ideas if you're never rested. So losing that foolish, I can tell you, my second business, which I bootstrapped and I intended to grow slower, that thing went from 3 million to 33 to 100 million to over 178 to now over 300. And that happened with me getting seven hours a night of sleep. And I'm much smarter and better than I was the first time when I worked all the time, chained to my desk, thinking that was the only way. And I did challenge Jessica before we got here tonight because not only watching her go through, uh, watching us at Wedding Channel, watching you in early days of Sell and Dot, and then watching all the entrepreneurs that I find is it feels a little bit like a luxury when to get to the other side, to then have this wisdom or buy this wisdom. And when you are, especially you are a mom of two, mm -hmm. right? And you're, you know, making amazing things happen. And the wheels were coming off the bus in early days of selling dot in the best of ways, like more demand than you could keep up with. Yeah. And you basically had 10 to 15 jobs. Yeah. And I said, Jessica, you honestly believe if you had read this book and believed this book, that you could have exercised, slept seven hours, and meditated, and she said, "Yeah." Well, so one, I've always so yeah. as Jenny knows yeah. this, was we both crack our neck. I have this; just, I get really um, a lot of neck pain and hand pain if I don't run thirty minutes a day. If I don't keep my so that's a nice self-built-in function for me. Is I do need to do that, and I even did that always. But the meditation and the sleep, I did not always do. And the the idea, you become a fool when you give all your time to work because you don't force yourself to instead rigorously prioritize your activities. You have to leave the right stuff undone in order to identify what is the most critical thing. And I, I will, I think the most important thing that I learned from our board member, Doug McKenzie, who was at Kleiner and backed our first business and then became a, a, a seed investor in Stellan Dot when I started that, was we were going to go get funded and it was an aggregated gift registry where we were really providing the software and the consumer experience to bring together retailers, gift registry sites online. And the 800-pound gorilla in the space was Macy's. And he would, we would go into our board meetings, and we had a seed capital, but we didn't get the second tranche of it unless we signed this deal. So there's so much to do in a startup, right? You've got to worry about the brand, building the technology, doing other sales pitches, hiring people, finding office space. I mean, there's just really a list of 100 things to do. And so we would go in, and we'd say, we signed up Crate and Barrel, and we signed up William Sonoma, and we built this prototype, and we've hired this person. He's like, that's great. Did you sign up Macy's? And we're like, no, but we've done this. I mean, so we'd come back the next week, and we'd, we'd have done A, B, and Z. He's like, that's great. Did you sign up Macy's? And you have to figure out what signing up Macy's is in your business. And then you have to keep asking yourself every day, yeah, that's great, but did you sign up Macy's? Because there's not that many things that are going to be the linchpin. There's actually a very few set of things. And if you think you have an endless amount of time to give to your work, what you allow yourself to do is go work on all the other stuff. Instead of saying, like a laser, 
uh, am I on that most important task? And so now I just operate that way all the time. I always ask myself that metaphorical question, did I sign at Macy's? And I obviously have an analogy to what that really is in my different brands and businesses and what that is changes over time. But my rigorous thing, like I'm going home to have dinner with my kids. Like tonight, I'm going to go tuck them in. It's because that's, that's my joy in life. So I'm still going to do what I need to do, but you know, I've got to, you got to focus. And just to add on to that story, I totally remember showing Doug McKenzie our new logo. And he's like, I don't give a fuck about your logo. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's a verbatim. And we're like, I get it. I get it. I, okay, I see what I you're got, saying. I'm going to go sign that's up a good Macy's. Point. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing that goes back to this. In the end, we didn't sign up Macy's, but we got the second round of capital anyway. Because he didn't need, in the end, to see a business. He didn't need the deal. It was supposed to be that the second round was contingent on that contract. At the last minute, it fell through. And the, we went in there for the fight of our life. And, and the reality was he needed entrepreneurs that knew that they could build a business without it. He didn't actually need that contract. And so I'm going to, can I tell some color to that story? It's yeah. in the book, but it's just, it's one of those memories that I have that I remember where I was sitting, where you were sitting, and once again, in total awe of you. But you have Kleiner Perkins basically saying, hey, we're not sure we're going to give you this second tranche. That was based on Macy's, and now they're not so sure they're going to work And we were 24-year-old females at the time. Exactly. We're still females, but we're not and 24. And we hadn't discussed it before. We didn't know what was happening. And Jessica basically looked at these men, and she said, listen, there are going to be bumps in the road for this whole journey. And we want a partner who's not going to freak out every time something doesn't go right. So you're either that partner or we're getting out of here and we're going to go find us that partner. And I was like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> That's my partner. And so, I mean, I, I, I mean, you've always been confident, right? But the confidence that you had that day to make that statement, you didn't say, can I talk to my partner outside or anything? <laughs> you knew that I'd be with you and you knew that was the right thing to do. Like, how do you, I mean, as you write this book, you talk a lot about confidence. Like, how do you give wisdom about confidence? Where does it come from? Well, it's, it's one of the reasons why I try to turn the narrative of the conversation about entrepreneurship and female entrepreneurship on its head a bit because I don't want hearing those depressing stats to rob you of your confidence because again, if you go in there like you know you're there to win and you just assume the world is awaiting your success, you have a far more, more you know, greater chance of having that be true. And I, I just think it's perspective. I really do feel the way that I was raised helped that. My, my dad, who I talk a lot about in the book, who really is my greatest mentor you know, in, in, in life and business, because he was... Um, you know, he grew up with a grandmother, my grandmother, who uh, was educated to the fourth grade in Italy. She, you know, was basically barely got back. She was born in the U.S., but had to go back to Italy with her father, who was a coal miner in, in Pennsylvania, when her mother died and her sibling died within, you know, a, a month of each other. So she spent her whole life as the nanny, what didn't have a lot of education, gets back to America, spent eight years paying back her passage, working in a factory. Finally gets married. Her husband dies, leaves her with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. She can barely speak the language. She's, you know, she came back in the midst of a banking crisis and tons of unemployment. And then there's my father, who's the man of the house at three. And he had a paper route when he was in the fourth grade to help put food on the table. And I can tell you, this man never complained. All he talks about with his childhood was how lucky he was to have this home-baked bread that she would make that was amazing. You know, of course, she's making this because she's getting the cheapest thing that she could produce from flour. And, but he thought it was fantastic. And he remembers the nuns at his school always saying how proud they were of him because his, his handmade clothes were so pressed. You know, in his head, he was never 
a victim. He never didn't have, and he never thought, and this is, I think, what he taught me, is that you don't need other people to anoint you ready or worthy. He, when he didn't, you know, when he want, he's now got his master's degree in engineering, ultimately, but he didn't even think he would um, go to college because he thought he had to support his mother and his brother, and he would just keep working at the grocery store. And then when he realized he might not graduate because he wasn't doing well in trig, and they said, well, wait till you try calculus, you know, it's much harder. He's like, well, I don't want to go tell my mother that I'm not going to be the first person in our family to graduate high school. So he just went to the library, got some books out, and taught himself, you know, caught up on trig, and then taught himself calculus. And, he, and according to him, he could have done it better than the professor, you know, the teacher. And then he just kept going. And he just taught himself how to build home, and he taught himself how to code software. And so growing up in our house, there was always you know, manuals on every table. And his whole thing was he never coddled me, never was impressed with anything. And he'd be like, ah, oh, crack a book. You know, what's, just go crack a book. Like, what, what's the problem? So for him, not knowing something or not having resources is never a reason why you shouldn't go do that or why you couldn't do that. And so I do have that perspective in life um, where, it, you know, I do think it was like, so what? So you don't know? That's normal. Just go learn it. Go figure it out. What's the big deal? And I think that's why I've been able to start businesses and technology to the wedding space, to jewelry, to skincare, to, to the, you know, to going to different countries. Because so I'm like, well, I'll just go figure it out. How hard can it be? And the last thing before we open up for Q&A is that I feel that when we were entrepreneurs a long time ago, and then you did it again with Stella and Dot, that it felt different than it feels to me here in the Valley yeah. in the last yeah. couple of years. And I feel like a lot has to do with that the media really has glamorized it. There's poster children, there were the unicorns for a while, luckily those have come down. But we were discussing over drinks that it's the furthest thing from glamorous. So I guess I would just say, like, can you add a little color to how far it is from being a glamorous life? Now it looks yeah. glamorous because she's wildly successful and out of that sort yeah. of early stage. I always say overnight success stories take seven to ten years. <laughs> um, I went six years without a paycheck um, in my business. I, we sold Wedding Channel, so I sort of thought of that as let's double down. And uh, that was my you know, reason for justifying, okay, I'm not gonna earn an annual income and around here it's really expensive, but I'm gonna just put every penny into investing in myself and hopefully creating a life that I love and a business with a mission that I believe in. And it, but it was, um, you know, I, I, I think that when people ask me how hard something is or how this, it's just the way my mind works where I can't even process that thought. I just think, what an adventure, what joy, what, what, a, what a gift, what an opportunity. And it's I like know that sounds <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Like, and now look, I have the loves of my life. Like, wasn't that worth it? Who cares? Why focus on the pain? And I do think that's my general attitude. And I'm not making this up to be sunshiny. It's actually just ripping off the filter on my thoughts. That's actually what's going on in my head, which is like, this is tough, but we can do it. And, you know, I'm, I am a very um, focused person who in some ways you could say is obsessive. In my, my, you know, I don't need a wide variety of activities. I eat the same breakfast and lunch every day. I'm very disciplined. I'm very rote because I'm, I have this, I will go in on a problem and just stay there like a laser. So that's not for everybody, but it suits me. And, and so solving that really hard business problem, you know, around having a family and, and all these other things was, um, was a joy. It's what I love to do. I will tell you, though, that I do think there's a sort of, um, it's sort of like childbirth. You forget, or the early stages. Yeah. You forget the sleepless Hard. nights. I remember at one point, once again, crazy success starts hitting Stella and Dot. You're doing 10 people's job, maybe 20. And 
you told me a story about coming home from a big day at work and you left the, the plate in the sink. And your husband, Chad's like, really, you can't put it in the dishwasher. And you're like, really? That's where I am. That, like, I am officially out and I cannot put that plate in that dishwasher. Yeah, I'll come home someday so I'm like, I'm so fired. It's quitting time. It's yeah, quitting exactly. time. I'm clocking I'm out. off duty. I will do absolutely no other tasks today. I, you know, the thing about what I've also realized, this is again the gift of wisdom and time and being a serial entrepreneur, is that you're never going, and I remember a board member said this to me earlier, it's like, you're, I'm like, if I could just get this one person hired, then, you know, this would work out. And then this right. way, it's like, you'll always be one hire away. You do know that, right? And that is the thing, is that you, you actually are always, there's always this problem, always one way. So at some point, you just have to say, when do I then walk out the door and go enjoy dinner? Or when is enough enough? Because there will just be more problems to solve later. And there, I'm still, I'm now, you know, decades into being an entrepreneur. And there's still, I'm still one hire away, still one problem away. And so before we move it off to Q&A, I just have to ask you, like, you talk about I can do anything I can't do, but none of us can do everything, right? right? And so I look at you, and I know for a fact you are a very successful CEO of an incredible company, an amazing mom, an amazing wife, an amazing friend, and you exercise, and you look fabulous, <laughs> and you remodeled a house from the studs. She could have bought a house, right? No, they picked every last tile, every last knob. And then I see, on, I think it was on social media, she got a dog. And I was like, no way. How could you have a dog? That was a huge and mistake. now you decide. <laughs> that last part. <laughs> and, but now you decide to write a book, right? Like, I yeah. get it. You have wisdom to share. But like, why? I was so naive. I honestly thought <laughs> that a ghostwriter wrote the book. I mean, it seems like in the title that su <laughs> highly suggests that somebody else would write this book. And I thought they would just sort of watch some videos and then out would come a book. And so that's why I agreed to it. You know, I, I mean, I say that actually only half in jest. I mean, I had no idea how much effort it would actually take. Um, but, and also it's very, you know, putting your smug mug on the cover and writing a book feels like running down the street naked. I mean, it's a <laughs> lot of me, 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 and you know. Uh, and I, so there was a lot of reasons why I didn't want to do it. But at the same time, I step back and I've been so heads down building a business that sometimes you forget to look around the world. And frankly, living here in Silicon Valley, you think of companies and company size. And, you know, and, and then I was um, at this women's group. I'm a member of YPO, which has been phenomenally helpful for me as a, in professional development. But there was this, the female equivalent of that is called WPO. And I spoke at their conference and they kept telling me like, oh, well, you're going to meet the platinum members and the platinum members. Did it, and it was this big buildup to the platinum members. And I kept thinking to myself, this is very exciting. I wonder who they are. I wonder what their businesses are. This is great. I'm like, well, what's, wh tell me more about the platinum members. So they're like, well, their businesses are over 5 million in revenue. And I was like, oh, I thought you were going to say 100. And, and, and there was only, like, there was so few of them. And it just, it, so it's one of those moments where, like, oh, I didn't, I forgot for a minute there because I was so busy just getting my kids dinner or doing the business or, you know, that I forgot that there's still this massive problem out there where not just, and I always have this gender neutral view of the world, but not just women, but entrepreneurs in general are out there trying to do something incredibly courageous and hard. And they're the innovators and the job creators. And so if, in the, if I can amortize my pain, if I can take the lessons learned and try to wrap it up and give it to somebody else so that in their moment of doubt or in, in the need to have a framework that they can get a little hit, I think that's, that was worth the nights and weekends for, for quite some time. 
Well, I give you job well done. I mean, I devoured well, this book. I got to live this wisdom years before you guys, before she put uh, a pen to paper. Uh, it's mandatory reading in the Jacoby household. And so, um, but with that, what I would love to do is open it up to Q&A. Thank, Thank you so much.